Welcome to the Buds and Reality Show. I'm Sean Collins, the guy with a lot to say. And I'm here with a cool guest of mine, Mr. Will Huff. We go way back, man. How you doing, brother? I'm all right. Yeah, we do go way back. I don't know if you can see this scar right here, but that on my nose is from you. Do you remember? I do not remember. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I think it was 10th grade. You tried a full court basketball shot. The ball missed the rim, hit me in my face, hit my glasses, cut my nose, gave me a concussion, and I missed the week of football. <laughs> I really don't remember that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this scar. And so I always think of you and every time I look in the mirror, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Sean, uh, good time. Damn, Sean. Wow, but that's, you know, just to give a little history on us, you know, that's how long we uh, we go back is, you know, high school era. That must have been 1995, I think, because, yeah, like it was that. my sophomore year of football. So, Oh, geez. Telling the coach I missed football. I was like, Why'd you, why do you got a concussion? Did you get it in the game? I was like, nah, I got hit in the head with a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, my bad. Folks, man, I do not remember that, though. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was Ramsey's class or – we were just in the gym, man. Yeah, you launched it full, <laughs> full court. I don't yeah, even think I, we were in the same class. You were just launching a full court shot. Yeah, I'm not a basketball player. I never uh, – <laughs> I did try. I did try out in high school. I went to one practice, and that was way too much running for me. I was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing yeah. it. And I played football with you for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Except so, I never wanted to go to practice. <laughs> you know, I always went to practice. I never wanted to practice. And then, like, all of freshman year, I had an ex always had an excuse for the coach. Oh, I hurt my ankle. I hurt this. I didn't want to do that. And then, like, he's like, it, I almost felt like he was like, why are you on this team? But they didn't cut players. You remember? So everybody got to stay on the team. They never cut. Sophomore year, I was at practice, and I'm running with people, and I'm like, running sucks. Why am I here? And I was, then it kind of clicked to me. It's like, if I'm not going to go all the way out, why am I here? And so then I was like, you know what? I'm going all the way out. And so that practice, something clicked in my head, and I just started blowing up people. Like they were, I was on the defensive line. They double team me. I'd split the double team, make the tackle in practice. I started winning the sprints. And the coaches, I see them looking at each other like, was he just cloned or something? Did he just like, <laughs> did he just become a whole new person? And I was, but it clicked in me that if you do the things the right way, you're going to get success out of it. And so, like, I was like, I'm just going to go all out. Why make excuses and be here? Like, just to be here. And so that week, I became a starter on the on the sophomore team. Like, I went from right, like, way down the bench, where I only got in if it was a blowout, to the starter in three days. Once it turned on to me, like, I'm just going to go all the way out and practice instead of just coasting through it and trying to avoid the practice. And after that, I was a player. So what you're saying is you actually have to put the work in if you want to make something work. You do. You got to, you can't just go through life. Like I equate it to like when I used to work, like, let's just say McDonald's or one of those kind of jobs, I would show up, I would do the bare minimum and I'd go home. There was, I didn't want to do anything else. But right. then once you realize you, if you want to be a manager, you want to move up, you got to constantly go at it like it's the game like it counts like it matters That's and right. so like i always like the, the phrase you got to practice how you would play because if you practice hard and 
you're going to play even harder. And so, and so if you put in the work ahead of time, you can reap the benefits later. That's right. That is absolutely right. So. Now we haven't actually seen each other like in person since way back when probably 22 years, 20 years, something like that. We, we it's were been at, a long time. Yeah. We were on Livingston road. I think the last time I saw you, oh, you and yeah. my brother had a little, um, meeting of the minds. Do you remember that? No, but oh, it's not come on, man. how much have you smoked since then? <laughs> oh, there's been a lot of smoking since then. I was such a bad kid back then. I feel like I feel bad for a lot of things that I did. I feel bad for Tara's mom for putting up with us for all the time. Deb oh my just, God. That poor woman put up with so much shit. She was such Deb a, Peone, we apologize. We love you. <laughs> that, and she, you know what? Still to this day, I remember her cooking. Oh yeah. Oh, her cooking. Wow. You know, she was, she was one of the best cooks ever. You know, I it's, it's, I'm spoiled at home now. My wife's a, an amazing cook, but yeah. before that, like, you know, Deb was, was the best cook ever. <laughs> Until that, you know. Yeah, shout out to Megan now. You gotta give her the props now. Oh yeah, shout out to shout out to Mrs. Buds. I mean, she does everything, especially <laughs> yeah. lately when I've been down and sick or whatever. I'm glad I'm getting mm -hmm. to get back to it and whatnot. But dude, like you know, through social media, we've been able to keep in contact or whatever. Yeah. And you are a man that is uh very well traveled. I will say that you're always going somewhere or doing something. Can't sit still, man. It's like, it's like football practice. If I just sit still or what's the point of being here? That's right. But like, <laughs> you've been up to like a lot of cool shit. You've been up to. I, I do all know, kinds of stuff. You do all kinds of stuff. And, <laughs> you know, one of the first things I want to bring up, you know, since, you know, it's been so long is that you were actually, and I don't know if you still are, but you were teaching a college class. I was a college instructor from 2015 to 2020 or 2014. Yeah to 2020. So I taught at Arkansas State University and Florida Atlantic University, both division one colleges. So they're pretty decent size. So okay, I was blessed, man. Were you, you were teaching English, weren't you? I, I have a master's degree in teaching English to speakers of other languages. So when people come from another country and they get here, one of the things that could hold them back is the English language. And so I help them reach their goals with language so they can communicate, get the job they want, the career they want. And what's cool about it is I made friends from all over the world now. So if I want to show up to Japan, I got people in Japan. If I want to go to India, I got people in India, Nepal, Mexico, Nicaragua, Colombia, wherever I want to go, I got people. So a, lar a large group is Peru. I got tons of friends in Peru, but see, I taught them when they were 16 or 17. That's been like five or six years. So now they're in their 20s. So now they're people I can hit up. They're like, hey, I'm coming down there. You guys got to show me the spot. <laughs> oh, nice. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, how hard is it? Because there's so many people that'll say the English language is the hardest language to learn. Is it really hard to teach? It, it, it's hard to teach in the sense of when somebody asks you why. Why do you say it this way and not that way? That's when it becomes difficult, you know? So why can't you say, I have eat the pizza? And now you got to try to explain why it's eaten and not eat. And I mean, it just goes like, okay. and so that's where it gets difficult. Spelling is horrible because we have a mixture of French, German, Italian, Latin, Greek, 
all that into our spelling. So our spelling makes no sense to like, if you, if you ever learn another language, it's almost all phonetic. You pronounce every letter. Um, I was just talking yesterday about like German, you pronounce every letter in German. So in Arkansas, there's a city they call Stuttgart. Okay. But it's the exact same spelling as the German city Stuttgart. But you have to say all the letters. You can't glide at the end. And teaching, oh, okay. teaching them to hear and understand Americans talking is the hardest part. Did they ever because, try to like get you to teach them the bad words first? Oh, I, I include the bad words in my lessons. It's college. <laughs> and so I'm going to say, if you hear this, this, and this, this is what it means. But you know, um, one of the things people don't ever teach English people are things you really need to know. Like for women, every month they have a period. And every month they need tampons or pads or things like that or pampering, Midol. I teach them like this is the thing you do at the store to go ask for these things or the doctor to tell them you have diarrhea. This is what diarrhea. And so they'll giggle and laugh, but they're taking notes because this is stuff you really need to know. I don't need to really know how to say the blue light has been on for six hours. Like, okay, that's a pointless English sentence. You want to go to the doctor and say, dude, my stomach hurts. I have diarrhea. You know, right, so, right. so my students always appreciated that. Like we just had running jokes constantly about peeing in the shower, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> like, so, like just because it would get in their, get in their heads and then they can use it. Cause if you can make it memorable, then they can reuse it. And that was always my goal as a teacher to make things that people could leave the class and actually use and not like just rote memorization of words on, on a page. Cause it means nothing. Right, so, right. But I would teach bad words if they asked me, and it would be more private because I wouldn't want to offend. Like, you know, I could have Muslims, Jewish people, Hindu people, you know, right. Christians, Catholic, all the, all these things in my class. So if somebody wanted something, I'd kind of keep it to not everybody. Like, okay, I'll tell you, you come here and I'll let you know. Not the kids. Oh, right, you are just like in class saying, you know, hey, if this person says this, you know, you tell them to go fuck themselves. Or yeah, suck my cock. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but yeah, so I would let them know, like, yeah, if you hear this, um, someone used a negative Hispanic term to one of my Colombian students, and they didn't know what it meant. Oof. So in the middle of class, they're like, what does this mean? And I'm like, I'll talk to you Ooh. a little later about it, but that's not good, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't like, want to say that. Yikes. But, you know, another another thing that our media in America does is with Black people. Black people are always portrayed a certain way. And so I get my students who come from other countries, and they're talking, they look at Black people. For one, they think they can use the N-word. Oh, so you have people no. from, like, Japan, Mexico, Brazil, they use the N-word because they think that's just common how you talk to each other because they see it they've never seen the aspect of somebody getting punched for it <laughs> they just you gotta tell them using... to walk that shit back so they don't yeah like, do, 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 do. i was like that's not a <laughs> word they're like no everyone says it but then they also think black people are all thugs and drug dealers and criminals so it's our media plays a big role in other countries of how they perceive things here so but you know i try to always with my students walk that line of these are things you actually need to know, plus what the books are trying to get me to teach them. So, right. Right. Yeah. That's a, I, I taught English in Korea. I taught kids in Korea. That was fun. 
You um, went to actually, Korea. Yeah, I lived in Korea. That's actually when I got decided to go get my master's degree. Okay. I was like, this is fun, but with the master's degree, I can make a little more skrilla. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I came back, got the master's degree, but it was fun in Korea because I got I had kids from six to eighteen, and so I like get to see all the progression like in different levels. But I had kids that would come in at like five, six years old, no English. And within like three months, they're tattling on people in English to to me. Oh, geez. And I'm like, man, I was like, I wish I could just grab language like that, you know, but kids are amazing. That make you feel good that, you know, you hear them catching on and stuff. Too. Yeah. They're actually learning from you. I was like, oh, I did something right because my degree was in marketing <laughs> in public relations. And, oh, I wow. went to, and I went to teach English and I was like, I had no training in teaching English. All I knew is I studied German and I studied Spanish and I hated going to class and I never learned anything. And I was like, why did I hate going to class and why did I not learn anything? So I took those two things and I said, I'm going to do the opposite of that in all of my classes. And then it became the, my own style of teaching that people like watching my class. Um, they were like, where in the world did you learn this? What book is this from? Was I I'm like, this is the book of Willigus. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, it, man. I love it. Yeah, I, I actually taught teachers one semester so English teachers from Mexico came and they were in my classes and so I was teaching English teachers and like they want and so they by the end of the session they're like I'm never teaching the same way again they're like what you did in class here with us was just awesome and so I still get calls every once in a while they're like remember we did this in class I still do this with my students and that's been like eight years ago and so I mean it was just it was really cool that is cool. It's, it sounds like uh, sounds like a you know kind of a fulfilling job, really. Yeah, it, it is because you know I don't know if you know what your why is in life, like what you are here for, why you wake up in the morning to breathe. But for me, it's to help other people reach their goals. And when an immigrant comes to the United States, they're like blank slate, ready to go for goals because the American dream is alive here if you put in the hustle and the grind. And so these people are coming hungry. And so for me, it's like, I give them that tool of English and they're going to eat, you know? That's awesome. That's, yeah. that's really awesome. And yeah. especially, you know, in, in today's, you know, world where, you know, people coming from other countries aren't looked upon the best, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, <laughs> you know? So I think it's great. There's people like you that are willing to teach them the ways and not, you know, feel any type of way about them coming here you know, to try to make better for themselves, you know, I yeah. think that's great. You know, we need a whole country of people that work like immigrants. We don't have that right now. Amen to that. So, <laughs> I so mean, I'm, I agree. Like, so well, let's talk about the political aisles, though. What's funny about it is, is the right dislike the illegal immigration, people who didn't go through the process, didn't file for visas, didn't do all that. And there are tons of reasons why people don't, because it costs a ton of money and it takes a ton of time. That's one. And so it, it's limited on who can come here, but they don't like that aspect. But almost a ton of Republicans I know are married to immigrants. So, I mean, it's just, it's funny. So this, there's this perception that Republicans hate immigrants. It's like, no, Republicans like the law. And so they like the law of borders. And I heard once um, somebody, um, I think it was Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who I helped run Congress run. He said, 
a nation and a country stays together based on having um, culture and language and similar experiences. If culture, language, and similar experiences are splintered, you lose the country. And so when people are coming in, um, it, you lose that. That's one of the reasons they talk about it. Though we do let in a million legally um, per year also. So it's, it's just something people got to deal with. But on the left, they have a superiority complex over immigrants. They're the savior. And so they don't realize how racist they are when they say we need Mexicans or Nicaraguans or El Salvadorians to clean our bathrooms, to do our gardening, to pick our vegetables. And they like, say shit like that, too. It's they great. do it. They, they say it out loud. And they All don't the time. Realize how how racist it is that that's the only thing you see these guys is good for is doing our menial work. Yeah, we need people to cook our food and do our landscaping. Like, what? They can't be business people or something? Like, no, the <laughs> they can't be doctors. Like, I had a, I had a student, um, and she was a surgeon from um, Venezuela. She was a surgeon or an award-winning surgeon. She came oh, here to awesome. learn English. But people would look at her and probably be like, oh, yeah, she's going to work at the hotel. Like, it's like, you guys are racist. You don't realize it. It's, just, it's the same with their perception of Black people. Black people are so helpless on the left. They're like, we have to come in and be their savior, their white savior. They don't know how to get driver's licenses or IDs or do anything on their own. And it's, it's just, they don't realize the racist mentality of that. And then, then you get people on the right that group all black people with the bloods and the crypts. You know, well, so. you, well, the media doesn't help, though, though, you know, and you brought it up, though, like the way they portray, you know, anybody from any culture, you know, yeah. it's it's always think about how they portrayed uh, Asian people in movies and such for yeah. years and years. But and our issue is also with media is the sensationalism. They take the most sensational aspects and amplify it. And it makes people believe that's the norm. And that's what media does. So you see tornado videos tearing up a trailer park. How often has your house been hit by a tornado? Right. It, but they make it think like, man, that's going to be possible tomorrow. Like, yeah, it's it going to happen be. once Everyone, a week or whatever yeah. it may be. You know, but that's yeah. it, I hate the media for a, a number of reasons, especially mainstream media. There's only there's only a few people out there that are doing true journalism now. Um, James O'Keefe is one of them from Project Veritas, one of my favorite places to get information from, just because I feel like he's doing actual journalism. Now, you know, moving on, you actually have some other ventures out there that I want to talk about. And one of them is, if I'm saying this correctly, Yoenzo. Yoenzo, yes. Yoenzo. So it, it started with your entertainment source. So it's the first two letters of your entertainment source, Yo Enzo. Okay. So because for about 10 years, I was helping underground musicians develop like their marketing and getting known in public relations, but I never got paid for it. I, I did it because I like helping people reach their goals. And so I did that. And then I was coming up with a company name and I was like, you know, I can take that, put it together. It sounds good in any language and then I can see what kind of media empire I can develop over the next 15 to 20 years. That's pretty awesome. Now I see you doing a lot of photography stuff with it, but yeah. you're not just doing photography with it. Yeah. So I put, I, I do photography and I put my logo on my pictures, 
because I want my name to be in people's brains. So okay. when something pops up in the future and they say, oh, I know that. And so that's, that's my long-term goal. But I, photography became my COVID skill. So when okay. COVID hit, you're locked down. And I was like, what, what can I do? And then Trump and Biden started sending out stimmies like no other. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy me a lens. I don't know if you can see it here. I got my lens. I was like, I get, I'm going to get a lens. Oh, that's the real got, deal right there. Yeah, I got got my camera. And I was like, you know what? That stimmy is going to go into my business because we do marketing um, aspects of it. And so I upgraded my camera. And then I just went to work on the skill. YouTube videos about six hours a day. When I was done with that, went out and just shot whatever I could. And then come home and practice editing. And then so it became like my job was to learn photography. But we do um, real estate photography. My wife is the is the best, though. She Gracie, she does drone. And so she got her drone license and she does. Oh, nice. Yeah. And she's graphic designer. She makes commercials. She made like seven or eight political commercials this season for um, different people that were on TV all over okay. the country and different races. And she does radio and all that. So she's actually, she's the brains behind the operation. <laughs> she's the skill. So, but I do a lot of mine is um, consulting. That's what I do. So okay. I do the photography is kind of bring attention to what I'm doing. And then I go, and that's why I'm actually in Arkansas. I don't know if you can see I'm living in someone's storage room right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Because because we're working on a mission here in Arkansas. And so that's why I'm here. I'm adding a consulting aspect to that. And I'm a very personable guy. I think that's my skill is I can make anyone my friend. And that's you're very useful for what we're doing down here in Arkansas. That's awesome. Now, when I when I brought up your photography stuff, um, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we we got to talk about what he's taking pictures of because oh man, it's, I mean it's serious. You're crazy. Stuff, <laughs> you're crazy. This guy is out here. Mister Huff is out here yeah. taking pictures up close and personal with alligators in the forest of oh. uh, Florida. Oh yeah, up close and personal with the gators and the snakes in you know in the forest in Florida. What is wrong with you? Or not oh, what is wrong with you, but like, holy shit, that is, uh, I'm not playing with no gators and snakes, that's for damn sure. But but you know what? You know how people have that mindset about pit bulls, you know, um, where they just look at them and instantly think, man, that's dangerous, that's going to attack me, that's going to come after me. Like, that's what my my gators are like. They're like skittish dogs. They want nothing to do with me at all. And so they're always propped up and ready to jump in the water. And so once you start recognizing what they're doing and which direction they're pointing themselves, that you can say, okay, they're ready to escape and they don't want anything to do with me. And what, I, what I've learned on alligator behavior, as long as you don't get between them and their safe place, which is the deep end of the water, you're good. They, they want nothing to do with you. They'll come out of the water to you if they think like if they've been fed by humans before, which never feed an alligator because they get <laughs> used to people, they want to come to people. And what happens is people who don't know alligators, they get scared because the alligator came towards them. But really, they've just been fed by people and they think there's food coming. So that puts the alligator in danger because people get scared. Oh, my God, he's coming near me. He wants to eat me. So but no, I, I love the alligators. I love the snakes and. You know, just if you're messing with snakes, just make sure you know which ones are venomous and which ones aren't. 
Well, I mean, you got a ton of them down there in the FLA, man. I mean, Florida's got all kinds of shit that wants to kill you and eat you. Oh, man, it's fun. <laughs> so, no, you know, they got there's rattles, some rattlesnakes and some cottonmouths and coral snakes, but there's not a ton of venomous snakes down there. And like I said, the alligators want nothing to do with, like us, we're full-grown adults. We are scary to them. And so now you throw out a little two or three-year-old kid at the edge of the water, and that's dinner. Right. So, <laughs> do you bring anything happens. with you, though, when you go on those trips to take pictures of animals? Like, what if one day some alligator was like, you know, hey, well, you look like a tasty morsel, and I'm going to eat you. Like, Hey, you I, I went out doing what I love. Oh, so you don't bring any type of weapons no. or anything? To, like, no. no. Damn. So what's it going to do anyway? Like, you know, you'd have to get the perfect shot between the eyes if you have a with the gun. So if some if an alligator grabs your leg, they're rolling you. True, true. You know, but but if you even just watch videos, any of the people who have ever been attacked by alligators on the videos, they're putting their hands in their mouth and they're trying to do it like a show, you know. Right. But when you watch alligators, they'll roll up to people. You can lift their mouths up and all that in the water and they like they're not trying. They're scared as heck of big grown people. And you can tell they're like skittish dogs. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their, like their arms pushed up, ready to go away from you. It's man. But I'm like Steve Irwin, man. I'm like, Oh, look at this. She's a beaut. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was funny. I, I miss watching him. His show was great, you know, and yeah. like this Cobra would be trying to bite him or something. He'd be like, he's like so, Oh, it's so nice. He's so <laughs> naughty. He's a naughty snake. He's trying to bite, you know, I'm like, dude, this thing's trying to kill you. And you think it's, it's okay. Like, well, crikey, he, want, he wants to put his venom in my veins. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was one of the greats, man. Now from, you know, Yoenzo, you've also done something that I find very interesting and very cool. You worked for Colonel Conrad Reynolds. Yeah, I was his campaign manager for a congressional race. Yeah. In Arkansas. In Arkansas. So, so, so I get to add to my resume. I was a campaign manager for a federal congressional race. And so it, that was, it was actually really fun because I got to meet a ton of cool people around Arkansas. And now, let me ask you something real quick before we dive too much into it. Now, you're you're a Florida resident. How does correct. Colonel Conrad Reynolds find some dude in Florida to come be his campaign manager? In Arkansas. And in, I'm a, sorry, in Arkansas. I'm sorry. So when I left Michigan, that was 2002, I came to Arkansas. My family's from Arkansas. Okay. So I lived in Arkansas from 2002 to 2017. And when I was here, I long story short but i i've always been kind of half in business for myself half working for someone else and so the half business for myself i helped with event planning and things and met him and then he just saw my genius you know <laughs> it, just, it just exudes and and so when he wanted to run again like we always talk politics and so he's like do you want to just come run this thing and we were a two-man team two-man team running a congressional campaign like almost no money and man we made a splash <laughs> so <clears throat> i created a method called campaignertainment that's my my the coinage i use where i was like let's half entertain let's use social media for jokes and memes and kind of be funny and entertaining while actually trying to win a race so we get people to know your name by being fun and entertaining then we can go be serious when we need to be and so that's what that's where we started and we made a we made a splash down here i'm pretty sure almost every establishment republican hates me 
<laughs> well, I mean, and that's a good place to be in because that means you did something right. Um, yeah. You know, what was it like doing that? Like, what were your duties as campaign manager really? Oh, to, I mean, you did say the social media aspect, but yeah. like, did you did you have to like go go to debate? Let's, just, such? let's say, actually, here's a fun fact. None of the winners in Arkansas races would debate anybody during the primary. Nobody would debate. Sarah Huckabee wouldn't debate in her race for governor. Um, we went against a guy named French Hill. He wouldn't debate in Congress. We had a senator, um, John Bozeman, who was reelected. He wouldn't debate. <clears throat> so really, it's almost like they knew they were going to win. And so they didn't want to debate, even though they were all uh, Sarah Huckabee wasn't contested. But the other races were contested. And like there was one race for lieutenant governor, six people in the race. And the, the eventual winner didn't go to the debate with all the other ones. I mean, it's just. Oh, wow. nuts. Yeah. So, but like, let's say um, just some fun behind the scenes. If, if he was doing, if you were doing the podcast with you right now, I'd be over on the side with my phone, like talk about, and then I would have like, just get like, hold up a hint. So he'd kind of look over and, and then he'd keep them on okay. track. So I'd be doing stuff like that. So molding the message like is kind of where I would be like, let's keep our message here and here. And I'll remind you if you're on an interview. So we go to radio interviews. I sit next to him and I'm writing notes all the time. Like, all right, talk about this, talk about this, talk about this, talk about $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Talk about, <sighs> you know, <sighs> so, which are full of red flag laws, by the way. Oh yeah. But, and, and on top of that, they were voted for by people who the NRA had endorsed and the NRA hasn't said anything about it. It's like you guys are they're they're sham organizations, man. So we that's one thing we realize in politics. All these people who get these endorsements from like NRA, right to life, all these things, they are usually the incumbents in the the um organizations don't want to blow their chance at having a good relationship with the person who's in office. So they like undermine the other people. They like do little asterisks on things or um, in our case, one didn't even show our responses, just endorse the other guy. <laughs> like really? Yeah, didn't even they put out a voter's guide and didn't even show the responses. And so it's funny. It's like so we started calling them out. That that was the fun part. We had a um, you know what the term rhino is a Republican in name only. only. Yeah. And so we went we made pins that said rhino remover. And nice. so we had we had like no rhino, you know. And so we went on that. We're like, you know, we're going to be the type of candidate that people need where we call out the BS instead of letting it slide, letting it slide. So we started calling out these organizations. We started calling out like everybody. We're like, you know, you mess up. You're not doing right by the people. We're calling you out on it. Like, and that's what we, that became our brand. We were just calling everyone out on everything. Like, I actually, you, I actually you know, absolutely love that, especially, yeah. you know, because he was a Republican, correct? He ran yeah, he was Republican. Republican. And they call him far right because he likes the Constitution and he wants to go by that. So they call him far right. But, you know, it is what it is. He, uh, he's a 30 year army colonel, worked in the intelligence agency for 30 years, still has a top secret clearance, which means he has to keep his lifestyle up. They do polygraphs on him like every two years. So he's oh, wow. someone of integrity who lives by the code he talks about. And that, so that's one of the things I was like, yeah, I'll help you run. And so, but, so we went up, we're like, but our problem is you have these partisan politics where 
the Republicans are like, look at how much money the Democrats are spending. They're doing this and that. And it's like, you guys are voting for all this stuff, but you want to blame Joe Biden or, you know, Barack Obama or whatever. It's like we had the Republicans had the House, the Senate and the presidency in 2017 and 18. Yep. They could pass whatever they wanted, whatever they wanted. Did they pass a balanced budget? No. They spent tons of crap, tons of more money. You know, did they, um, you know, let's just one of their talking points is always illegal immigration. Did they fix the problem of immigration? Nope. One of the other things was Obamacare. Obamacare is this and that. Did they get rid of it? Nope. <laughs> so, you know, and don't get me started funny. on Obamacare. The problem with Obamacare is it's about insurance and not health care. That's my problem. They just put tons of money in insurance companies' hands. Anyway. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I have nothing good to say about the uh, the healthcare system and, and insurances and all that, just because it's in such shambles right now. Um, Colonel Conrad Reynolds sound like he more he's more of a liberty leaning Republican, though. He is. Um, there are things where like it's just kind of with me. Um, he's been a Republican since he was 11. That's 1971. So he's he knew he was Republican then. For me, I can't say I'm a Republican or a Democrat because neither party cares when it comes to the party itself. Like like they're all about the donors and keeping keeping the swamp what I call the uniparty keeping it, it rolling. Party. They they got to they got to they have the same goals. It's you got to keep Raytheon and Boeing and these guys in business. Yeah. So we got to you know, oh, we got to go to war with Russia, you know, so we got to keep these guys in up. And so these are the things that I don't have a party because these party people keep doing such. But he knew he was a Republican. But there's a um, what Republicans stand for, uh, like guidelines, you know, and right. party platform. And he is like, go down and check that list. Like, yeah, I want smaller government. I want to spend less money. I want, you, you know these kind of things to happen and he wants to keep um where if you work you're going to get the rewards we can't keep rewarding those who don't put in the effort just right. for being alive you don't deserve to have a house two cars you can have a house you need to have a living but what i'm saying is like a, a four-bedroom house two cars tvs in every room everyone has a cell phone but you're not contributing to society and that's kind of where where that like goes, where the opposite. It's like, yeah, you're alive, so you deserve everything that Bill Gates has because you're alive. <laughs> right. I mean, they're they've I don't know how to explain it, you know, too good, but like the way that we were taught, like people like us growing up, us, you know, us Gen Xers or whatever, where yeah. you know, where you gotta put in the work to get the results or to get the success. Um, That's right. It seems today's society has taken out the put in the work part. Yeah. Like you just automatically deserve this wonderful job that pays you $30 plus an hour, you know, and you didn't have to do anything to work for it, you know, whether it be school or on job training or whatever. You just, yep. you know, you, you didn't go get a certified, whatever. And that's not how this works, you know. As as a business owner myself, I have a small paint company, you know. And by small, I mean it's just me by myself, you know. But yeah. it would be hard for me, and I would never do it in a million years to pay some kid that doesn't know nothing about nothing, 
you know, $25 plus dollars an hour. I'm not doing it. Like that's yeah, it makes no business sense. You know, if you have no skills, I'm going to pay you $15 an hour. That's what you're going to do. And then you're going to learn on the job and I'm going to train you. And if you so. get better and if you get better and I'm, I'm not bashful about pay, I've had guys making 30, 35 bucks an hour working for me before. It's not that I'm a bashful about pay, but you got to be worth it. You got to put in the work or have the experience. You don't just get to make that kind of money. Or yeah. like even the people who are, you know, working in entry level positions, they're entry level positions for a reason. Yeah. You know, they're not, those jobs weren't never. But, but hey, man, you're coming you from there. white privilege, man. You're, you're, you're coming from white privilege. You've just had the silver spoon in your mouth. So you don't know what you're talking about with this. You know, That's what I, people I, say I, when we start talking. It's like, you guys don't realize how poor I was. Like I grew know? up poor. Like it was just my mom and I for the first eight years. You know, we, I'm talking ramen noodles and SpaghettiOs and hot dogs. And Oh man, you're uh, lucky you had ramen noodles. <laughs> but you know what i mean like i mean we you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna tell you a true story we were so poor one time that my dad used to know when the grocery store threw out the vegetables we would go to the dumpster and find the bag that had the vegetables in it and pull out the dumpster food out of behind the grocery store so we could get the vegetables so we'd have some lettuce and or maybe some fruits and apples that had the dents on them and stuff like that like he knew when it was going out. And so he would go, we would go and get it out of the dumpster. So we'd have some stuff. Damn, dude. That's, you yeah. know, and so, you know, but that's, that's the thing. Like everybody, not everybody, but the media will portray, you know, and it's, it's always, it's funny. We're at that age now where we get, you know, pointed out a lot by media. So we're yeah. middle-aged white dudes, right. Who in the media's eyes are the, are the worst ever. We are horrible people you know, and whatever that that's the media in a nutshell, um, which is so far from the truth. Like you and I both grew up poor, (laughs) you know, we both had to bust our ass to get to where we are and we had to grind it out. And and I'm glad I did that. I'm glad nothing got thrown on my lap. It gave me some sense of like, uh, what, what happens to a cat, to a caterpillar in a cocoon? If you open the cocoon for it, nothing, it dies. Yeah. Yeah, it has to struggle out of the cocoon to be a butterfly. And so you got to put in the struggle and the hustle so you can spread your wings and fly. And the people that are given to you often see like um, the children of rich people. They become drug addicts and, you know, prostitute addicts and they end up getting killed or committing suicide. It's because they didn't have to get themselves out of the cocoon. They were born a butterfly and then there's a crow sitting right there, you know, right, it's just right. <laughs> like when you had to get through that struggle, you, you have something else that keeps you, lets you survive. But, you know, and I'd be remiss if I say some, like, if I didn't mention for me, I feel there's a hole in a lot of people and that's because they don't have a religion. And they don't have the fulfillment of what I have by knowing Jesus. Like for me, like that emptiness got filled. It's like there's a hole in you when you don't have it, when you don't realize that there's something worth living for and a compass and someone kind of showing you how to do it. And so for me, the struggle went through, but then I got completed once I realized like I'm not living for me I'm living for the betterment of humanity and that is shown to me through Jesus 
And so right. for me, that's important because a lot of you see a lot of these rich people who are unhappy and it's because they're lacking. It. They, they lack that that fulfillment that you can only get because we're people who have looked for religion our whole lives. Right. Like, I mean, our whole history, our whole history, we're looking for the meaning. And once you finally have one in you, man, it's it's such a different peace and calm that like they were talking about the bird never wakes up worrying. Am I going to have food today? Right. Right. Because he knows it's going to get provided for. And for me, I'm like, if I if I'm doing my part, I feel I'm going to get provided for. It's going to happen. You know, there might be some tough days or whatever, or, but, you know, it happens. And I always end up on the good side of things. And that's right. I mean, having faith in something is very important. Like, you know, Martin Luther King Day was just here and yeah. Martin Luther King wouldn't have done or been able to do what he did without his faith. Correct. You know, was... his, his his faith in, in the Lord is what drove him to do what he did and to make things better. And a lot of people, you know, skip that, you know, yeah. and, and not to get like too much into religion and stuff like that. You know, I've but I've recently gotten closer with the Lord because I got sick and, and proud of you, man. But, you know, it, it, it was just one of those things. I'll tell you what, man, when you're in the hospital and you're in so much pain that you're literally praying to God to either take your pain or take your life. Yeah. Like that's deep, dude. And that, that yep. kind of changed me. And now I'm still here. So I feel like I got to do right by, by the Lord a little bit, you know, not a little bit, but a lot of bit, you yeah. know, but not to get too much into that. Let's, uh, you know, <laughs> what was the most, what was the biggest, uh, thing you learned by working for uh the campaign for colonel conrad reynolds you know um almost everything in the politics seems to be a facade i mean the way you work the groups the groups and the people that seem like they're for a cause it's all about the self i found that in like a lot of people where yeah it, we're not really we're going to use the cause to get what we want, like let's just say the the cause of the Second Amendment, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to use the cause to get what we want. NRA is going to use the Second Amendment to get donations to keep people filling in money, and then they go out and endorse people who vote for red flag laws and things like that. So they're not about the cause, and a lot of these famous politicians are kind of similar. And so we found out, like, you know, you're trying to get help from someone. And then they're like, yeah, you know, do you have money? <laughs> and it's right. things like that. It's like if we didn't have money or if we had money, we wouldn't need the help. You know, it's kind of like we just want we thought you were for the cause. So if you want to say, hey, I am rocking with this guy because he's way pro 2A. It's like, you know, if you want to have AR-15s in every corner of your house, have at it, which it's funny because most people are against AR-15 since the AR stands for automatic rifle. But anyway, <laughs> and so or assault rifle, they think assault rifle, literally yeah. stands for assault rifle. I'm like, where the hell do you get this shit from? You know, but yeah. here we are, you know. Yeah, but I learned that a lot of people that that's what it was about. That was it, they weren't about the cause. But you know, there were there are people like that aren't really liked by the left. But I'll still name drop like General Michael Flynn. He was down for the cause of getting patriotic Americans in office. And he went out of his way to make sure people knew that Conrad was a like an, an army of officer with 
integrity who would be good for the people of Arkansas. Like, oh, so he was down for the cause. But then, like, a Marjorie Taylor Greene, she wasn't going to help at all. Like, nope. And then, like, you get emails, like, you know, for $3,000, you can ask a question on Zoom. Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, I mean, it was just ridiculous. And then now you see her out shilling for Kevin McCarthy and stuff like that. And so it's like you see where the people aren't about the cause, you know, and if the cause right. is having liberty minded Americans in office that are going to hold the government responsible, you should be about the cause and help whoever you can, which is like in Arizona, there's a lady named Wendy Rogers. She's a state senator. And um but she's like a MAGA queen, you know, like Trump loves her, okay. things of that sort. But she's about the cause, man. I was working with her and she's on the phone trying to make sure Trump endorses XYZ candidate. She's working like hard for other people instead of working for herself at the time. We were, yeah. we were out to knock doors for her and, and I was going to do video and photography of it. But she was like, I'm going to stop because I need to make sure this other person gets an office because it's good for the American people. And when people are about the cause, it's awesome, but they're few and far in between. So that's what I learned is almost all these organizations and these people that are on Fox news or NBC or CNBC, they're not really about the cause. They're all about their personal preservation. The personal preservation and line in their pockets. I mean, oh, everything yeah. is, is a fundraising thing. Like it you is. brought up the border and a yeah. little bit, a couple of times in, during the show. And I just had Lars Mapstead on the show last week. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're familiar with Lars. He's a libertarian uh, presidential candidate for 2024. Yeah. Um, very cool cat. He needs to be taken seriously when it comes to the 24 election, I think. Um, but he was telling me, you know, and it made sense how the both sides, the right and the left, use the border yep, for the campaign fundraising. funding. Just we'll like, fix this problem if you give us money. Or no, yeah. we'll fix this problem if you give us money. And in the meantime, there's people in, in prison. Suffering. Suffering. Yeah. And nothing's getting done. You know, nothing's but they use done. it as a tool to But you get Ocasio-Cortez to go do a picture where she fake ugly cries, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and then you get uh, other like Republicans that will go down like Lindsey Graham pointing oh, at a oh, we need to have this, this, and this. But nobody does anything. We had Barack Obama with a Democrat Senate and a Democrat House, and they could have done whatever they wanted. They could they have could gone full-blown socialist if they wanted. They could have done whatever. whatever. They could have done everything they've been promising people. What they did is they gave insurance companies a crap ton of money. They yep. spent a ton of money in war and all that kind of stuff. But nothing about the core problems people care about and you know people care about um how much baby formula is going to cost but we don't address that you know they don't care and so um they the supply chain lines and all that no nah, no nah, we're going to put our money into studying which pronouns should be used while we're in afghanistan getting shelled <laughs> true story i mean I it a, is though that's how it is a, i have a friend who was a captain in the army they're getting shelled in Afghanistan and they're like, we want permission to return fire. They're like, you know what? We need to do a gender neutrality study during this. Jeez. And it's, it's like, what's the, war. what's the point of the army? It's to win battles and wars. But it's become a social experiment now, which is why people don't want to sign up anymore. So there, but, there's, well, there's a lot to be said about people signing up and not signing up about that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, dude speaking of like being part of the cause 
Part you're, of the cause, doing, man. you're doing something pretty cool over there in Arkansas. Are you've been you're you've been helping working on something yeah. very cool, the Voter Integrity Initiative. Yeah, the Arkansas Voter Integrity Initiative. We're about to rebrand to the American Voter Integrity Initiative, I think, because what we're doing is working and it's spreading. And well, so, because you know, we all know that this the election system is very flawed. You it know, is. me being an anarchist or a libertarian, whatever you want to call me, um, I have very little belief in our system, especially when it comes to voter integrity. I believe that the elections have been rigged for decades. Um, and that how, how how often have we heard in our life your vote doesn't count? Yeah, lots of times they already chose, they already chose the winner. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, we've heard uh, it forever. That's the thing. Like they the deciders have decided who they want as their puppet for the next four years. And then they make us feel good about life saying, Hey, you're going to make a difference if you go to these polls and vote, but the, yeah. the deciders have already decided and that's crazy. So what is your but, initiative with this, you know, voter integrity initiative? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you about the, you go to the poll and vote. They put the pressure on you because they need you. They need numbers so they can mask things. And we're going to use day as the boogeyman. We're just going to pretend it's the boogeyman. And so they need as many numbers as they can so they can mask and hide. So because let's just say a thousand voters show up, it's going to be hard to put in, let's just say, 600 extra votes or something of that sort. So they need 28,000 to show up so 600 can go in and it's not really noticed. That makes sense. But what we're doing in Arkansas is we've identified a flaw in our system. And again, like I said, I've worked with Colonel Reynolds, who is a military intelligence officer, he has worked for the CIA, FBI, NSA, all of them. And he looked at these voting computers and he's like, these are the most unsafe aspect of voting that we could have. He's like, in other countries, he, he didn't say we've done it, but he's like, we could do it, whatever we wanted to these machines and have whatever outcome we want to have happen. And it's easy when everybody's on a computer because one person in Afghanistan or Iran could be like, doo -doo 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 -doo, and you know, and now you have a different outcome on a mass scale. In the past, people are like, oh, well, paper ballots, people used to stuff ballot boxes and all that. But we've evolved since back in the day. We're in the, you know, what century are we in? 21st century now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the flying cars? Still in the 90s or 2020s, I forget. But, um, but, and they're like, they think of paper ballots the old way, but we're like, you know, we got to get these computers out because these election computers are owned by, by companies who have no identity. They're hidden behind a firewall of privacy of investors. So they don't let you know who owns the companies. So in, in Michigan, you, got, um, you guys use Dominion, Heart Civic, and ESNS. Those are a mixture of the three around the state. Mm -hmm. ESNS and Dominion have private ownership. You do not know who owns the company. You do not know how they make money. You do not know what they profit, how they profit, where their money comes from. So if Sean Collins wants Will Huff to get elected and Sean Collins has a billion dollars, Sean Collins might be able to go find someone to invest in that company. And then guess what? Will Huff is the elector, is the one getting elected. Wow. I mean, okay. it's feasible. It's possible because of what's there. Uh, we had... Uh, Dr. Dougherty, he's a 
professor from Texas A&M. He's cybersecurity expert, loves computers, works in quantum computing right now. Um, PhD from Harvard. He, he wears a Mensa. So he's a genius and he tells everyone he wears a Mensa <laughs> tag. But he's like, I love computers. They're great. They've made our life better. He's like, but we can't use them in elections. He's like, because they're too easy to manipulate by single entities. Amen. And then we go back to the military. Everything the military's ever built has a back door. So if we built tanks and sent them to Israel, and then Israel decided, hey, you know what? We're going to attack the United States. There are back doors that we could like do 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 do. That tank is done. You know, it right. self like it just burns up and it, it doesn't work anymore. Or missiles, it's launching at us. Do, 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 do. We control the GPS now. Turn it around. You know, like right, we right. build back doors and anything. So to think that election computers are different is kind of silly to think that they can't be hacked the dod's been hacked everything's been hacked but what we're trying to do is there's there are studies that show that people who mark ballots um, with a pen or a pencil their intent is accurately recorded but on the vote machines things sometimes they hit the wrong button um the calibration is off all different kinds of things but with human nature we're in a hurry and want convenience so when we're touching it we hurry up and print and we go out and that's it and night a study out of university of michigan 93 percent of people didn't notice mistakes that were on their ballot after they did the touch screen and the researchers flipped things on purpose and then they sat there and told them, review your ballot, review your ballot, look at your ballot before you stick it in the next machine, look at it. 93% of people did not notice the mistakes. And then wow. they've, they've timed people. They've watched them on video. When you look at your ballot, the, most don't look at it. But the ones who do look at it look really quick. And then they're, it's like that. It's like they can't read all those names to make sure their intent was accurately recorded. And so we have the problem of voter intent. I think you and I both, if we're having elections, we think every voter should have their intent accurately recorded and counted. I don't care what party you are. I don't care anything about I agree with that wholeheartedly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, if a libertarian wins, good job. Republican wins, good job. A Democrat wins, good job. But it should be legit that everybody can trust it. And that's our problem right now is like NBC did a poll. 80% of people do not trust the outcome of the elections with the machines. I mean, it <laughs> because let's let's be real, dude. Joe Biden didn't get 81 million votes. I don't care what anybody said. I don't believe that. <laughs> Three seconds. There's no way he got more votes than Obama. Everybody loved Obama. I didn't love Obama, but I'll, I'll a lot tell of people you a, loved Obama. And I'll he got more votes than him? No, yeah, I'll tell you a bit of difference, though, in that there's a, a line that says never let a good um, tragedy go to waste. Or oh, I think that's how it goes. But um, they got the mail in voting system started. And in the last four years, what changed is Democrats stopped campaigning and they started collecting ballots. They switched from campaigning to getting ballots collected that became the goal it's no longer hey i'm gonna do this for you i'm gonna do this for you i'm gonna do this for you no they have apps that say eight thousand black people live in this neighborhood six thousand of these people have not turned in their ballots yet go get them to fill out their ballot and turn it in for them 
So it became a ballot drive instead of instead of going for elections. That's oh. why people are staying in their basements now. They don't have to go campaign if they know that they can go collect more ballots on the other person. And that's where this mail-in ballot system has hurt um, voter integrity because you got people coming to your door. Like I work with candidate A, we see you haven't filled out your ballot yet. Would you like to fill it out right now? What's that make you feel? Who are you going to vote for? But here, let's walk this back for a second now. Yeah. Let's, let's walk this back just a little bit. Think about how fucked up it is that people can show up to your house asking yep. you why you haven't voted yet. Like that's any of their business. None. Like yep. what? The, like not only is that intrusive, that's ethically and morally like fucked up. It is. And Wisconsin <laughs> and Pennsylvania and Arizona have apps that Democrats use to just go collect ballots of people who have not sent in their mail-in. So in these systems with the mail-in, when you when you return it, it gets scanned by a um, by like a barcode that says this ballot has been returned, and then that goes and that's technically um, you can get a Freedom of Information Act and see who has turned their ballot in because it's public communication. So then you they they take that plug it in, remove addresses, and then go back to the ones that they think these are guys are going to be Democrats. So we're going to go make sure we get their ballots. So that being said, how can anybody even believe that our election system has any type of integrity whatsoever when they already know who has and hasn't voted or who Correct. they voted for or who they didn't vote for? I mean, dude, I'm let's, getting goosebumps right now talking about this. Like, Let's, just look, at, let's just look at Arizona. Look at Arizona. Carrie Lake versus Katie Hobbs. Carrie Lake goes out, she has hundreds and hundreds of people every time she shows up someplace. Katie Hobbs stayed in her basement. Katie Hobbs ran her election as the Secretary of State was in charge of the election of Arizona. And so she was in charge of everything, but they in Arizona had the system set up. They know who was voting and who wasn't voting through the mail-in system. So this whole system that was created for COVID was really created so you know who has voted and who hasn't voted. And so you go to a city like, let's just say Detroit, that's going to be 90% Democrat. You want to make sure you collect every ballot that was mailed out and get that turned in. And so it becomes a strategy on gathering votes and not about campaigning on what you're going to do. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's truly but, disgusting. But that's one part of it. But let, so the Obama 81 million is feasible um, based on, I mean, it's feasible based on going to collect ballots. But what Biden we have is a problem. Million? What's that? You mean Biden? Yeah, Biden. Oh, I was like, wait, yeah. Obama, no. <laughs> yeah, Biden, Biden get, beating Obama. Biden Same person, Obama. really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> O'Biden. <laughs> so right. it's the Irish guy, O'Biden. Seriously. So, but, I mean, it is feasible, but our problem is ballots getting congregated. There's no chain of command or of custody, no chain of custody for the ballots. So now you just have to trust that the guy running the county um, got everything in the right place when things are getting congregated by, in Arizona, millions, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, or Detroit, all of them together, or Atlanta, 
you have to trust that the chain of custody was uh, maintained and it hasn't been usually and that's <laughs> yeah. why that's <laughs> when people are pulling out stacks of ballots and scanning you can't have trust that that was legit well it's funny that you even say we have to have trust in some sort of elected official to do yeah. the right thing in general <laughs> yeah you know it, a lot of times though those elected officials are actually good people and well-meaning it's who can take advantage of the system that they are in charge of that's the problem taking advantage of the system that somebody else is in charge of now that person feels attacked when you say this election could have been fraudulent they're like oh i signed my name i said that's good you're attacking me you hate me and that's what we're seeing in arkansas here in arkansas we're saying these machines have unknown ownership parts made in china and um, we don't know if we can trust the outcome because there's no transparency. There's nobody to have hold accountable and we can't verify the accuracy. I'll get into that in a minute. But the election commissioners and stuff here who are actually awesome, super, super cool people who want the our, our same thing, voter intent to be accurately recorded. They're like, you're telling me I ran a bad election. And we're like, no, we're not. So they take it personal. But it's somebody else taking advantage of them. If it's happening, I'm going to air quote because I don't want to get sued by a, right. a, a company. Um, so, so in general, though, in Arkansas, we have what they call e-poll books. That is a, um, a voter roll that every registered voter for your area is in that book. So I can go vote anywhere I want. I don't have to go only to that one place next to my house anymore. They created what they call vote centers. So they take down like 42 precincts, combine them into 12 locations. And now you have to drive somewhere, but you can vote any, any of those because it's an electronic poll book. But that thing is connected to the internet. So that thing is not controlled by the state. It is controlled by a third party company. In Arkansas's case, it's ESNS. So they know immediately that Will Huff showed up showed his ID and said he's voting. So th this company knows in real time that I'm there to vote because it has to be connected to the internet so I don't go to another place and vote again. So the internet, it's, a, it's in the rules, the law. You have to have a hotspot internet for these poll books. So that's in the rule. Now, all the election people say these other computers are not connected to the internet. And I'm like... How do you know? <laughs> How do you know those computers aren't talking to that poll book? They can't answer it. It's like, like, have you come in with a spectrometer and like run every machine and seen like, oh, no signal coming out? Like, they're like, no. <laughs> so we're like, okay, so you see, there could be a little bit of an issue here. And they're like, oh, maybe, but we're told by the company that there's no internet. It's like the same company for six years had stuff hidden in their machines that they lied about that were sending signals back and forth to them so they could collect data same company and it's like so you just trust them all right well i'd rather trust the people here <laughs> marking the votes and checking all that so in our system in arkansas after you touch the buttons it prints out this sheet of paper and they tell everyone read the names read the names read the names 
And so it'll have the list of people like, oh, Sean Collins, Will Huff, you know, oh, yep, my names are there. They go stick it in this next machine. That next machine cannot read that text. The technology is not there in these machines to read English text. What happens is they put up a set of barcodes at the top. All it reads are barcodes. And we ask this question rhetorically, do you read barcode? Is that a language you've studied? Can you read barcode? And they're like, no. We're like, exactly. So in, in law, federal law and state laws, it says the voter has the right to verify that their selections are accurately recorded before they submit their ballot. And we're like, how do you accurate or how do you verify your votes accurately recorded when it's in barcode? That's so, a million dollar question. We sued the Secretary of State, <laughs> the Election Commission, and ESNS. We have a lawsuit out right now that says these machines don't abide by the law because not one person can verify that their vote is accurately recorded. <laughs> and so we're going to see and how that This goes. is probably going on all over the United States. It is. 100%. But, but you know, here's the difference between all the other, they're going to be like, oh, these election deniers, this and that. It's like, we're not denying any election. We say we see a flaw that can be exploited. We want to fix it for the future. And that's that's our route. It's like, we're not saying anybody in the past is illegitimate. We're not saying X, Y, Z happened. We're not saying any of that. We're saying we can't read barcode. We can't verify our vote. That's one reason the tabulating machines that you stick it in have to go. Our other one, though, is the touchscreen. We know, like I said, from all these studies, that people make more mistakes on the touchscreen and don't notice them. So their voter intent is not accurately recorded. So that's why the touchscreens go. So our goal is hand-marked, hand-counted paper ballots. And now people are like, oh, man, hand-counted. They act like we've never done it before in the history of the world. They're like, <laughs> how are we going to do this? Oh, my gosh. How are we going to count so many? But there's a group in Missouri that hand-counted ballots, and they realize for every four people, you can count about 150 ballots per minute or per hour, per hour, not minute. That would be fast. Oh my no, gosh. It's <laughs> <laughs> if you use robot people, right? <laughs> no. No, but 150 per hour. So let's just break it down and do it. Like maybe there are a couple extra elections for 16 people in three hours. You could probably do 5,000 ballots. Yeah. So that's what it takes. So let's say Michigan has these voting precincts and you have 5,000 votes in it, you'd have them all counted from set, you start at seven, you start counting, you're done by 10, 1030, and you have the results of a hand counted ballot. And now it's not like the old days of hand counting. We have more technology. We could easily live stream a hand count, put the ballot right. under a camera, say, okay, one for Sean, one for Will, one for Beavis, and then you know, you keep tally. <laughs> and then after every so often, you say, can we get a total for Beavis? And they say, Beavis has 25. Beavis has 25. Beavis has 25. We're all on the same page. And then you go. And then you do it again. How many for Sean? Sean has 41. Sean has 41. Sean, and, and now you're staying on track that everybody's getting the same. You have a Democrat, or Republican, a Libertarian, or Independent. Double checking that the counts are being done accurately. And so it's not like paper of the old days. Plus, right. they have paper technology now that has watermarks built in, um, infrared, like things so you can check it to see it's legit, built in hologram, so you can't just go make a copy. Um, 
So like if I'm an election commissioner, I get given 10,000 ballots, 8,000 people voted. I have 2,000 unused. And I say, we have it all. None, none were tossed, none were thrown out. And so paper ballots aren't as scary as people keep trying to make it seem. But the other thing- it Sounds pretty like, oh, simple my, to me, really. It, it is. sounds simple. Like very- Other people, they go, oh, you're just doing this because of Trump's big lie. Trump's big <laughs> lie. That's why you're doing it. And I say, you know what the big lie is? That you're calling it a big lie. But anyway. Right, exactly. But there were irregularities. There were things that should be um, talked about in it. And so by saying this was the most perfect secure election is, was funny and ridiculous. But, um, but let's go back before that. In January of 2020, Kamala Harris put out a tweet. It said the United States needs to go back to embracing hand-marked paper ballots. That's Kamala Isn't that Harris. Something. Isn't I'm going to say, something. okay, I don't think she's just doing that because of Trump's big lie, but let's go that. Let's go two years before 2018. A study was put out by Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and a couple other people. And it was their worries about our election machines. Like, we don't know the owners of the companies. There's, there's a black box. We can't see the code. We don't know any how it's tabulated. We don't know what it's doing inside. All the parts are made by an adversary in China with no oversight. So we don't know if they're putting in tracking, if they can tell real time, if somebody, what they're texting or not. We don't know because nobody's looking at the parts in China. So Elizabeth Warren had this long report about why we need to go back to paper ballots. It's, wow. I mean, so if they want to say it's Trump's big lie, let's just say it's, you know, that's BS because the thing is people haven't trusted the outcome. How much did you hear? Russia, Russia, Russia. After 2016, Trump only won because of Russia. Tr Every Russia. election, it's something. Every single one, it's something. So why not get rid of the machines? <laughs> I, mean, just... I mean, it It sounds simple to me. It sounds simple to you. It probably sounds simple to most of the people that listen to the show. You know, I'm on board with what you're talking about. I think we need to make it a little more simple and, and easier. Transparent. It needs to be transparent so people trust the outcome. But because what we're getting right now is very dishonest and I'm not afraid to admit it and I'll catch a lot of heat for it, but our, our elections are not honest whatsoever. They're not accurate whatsoever, you know, and this is why, you know, the same people keep getting elected all the time. Yep. You uh, know, why does people who have been in Congress for 900 years? Why does Mitch McConnell have like a 9% approval rating and win every time? Every time. And he's been doing this for decades. Yeah. And he, so there was even an article in 2018 about ESNS machines in Kentucky cheating for Mitch McConnell. So there's a, um, I want to say this, it's not me saying it, but the whispers are Dominion cheats for the elitist Democrats, the elitist Democrats. Right. And so that keeps out of Bernie Sanders and these type of people. ESNS cheats for elitist Republicans. So that keeps out any of the people who are challenging that power hierarchy. So that's always the rumor is that ESNS is for Republicans, Dominion is for Democrats. The precursor to ESNS was in Ohio in 2004, and the CEO said, we're going to deliver Ohio for Bush. The CEO of the company that made the computers for voting said, wow. we're going to deliver Ohio for George Bush it's like it's it's just ridiculous and so we shouldn't even have these kind of questions that linger like you know 
if if each state made their own voting system, then the secretary of state is held responsible. The code would be open and things of that sort where anybody could go check. Like a tabulating computer should just be plus one, plus one, plus one, plus right, one. Right. Why why are some people finding fractional votes like 1.35 and then the other guy got 0.65? Like it doesn't make much sense. No, it should be plus one, plus one, plus one, plus one. It should be that easy, but like so all different kinds of things don't make sense. And yes, there's human error when counting ballots, but we have technology to help mitigate that. We have cameras. You can have it under a camera. And so you never need to do a recount again. Just have it on camera recorded live and everyone can say, yep, I'm watching my race one, 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 and they can do the counting with everybody. And so it just, these computers add too much of an unknown variable. Everything can be hacked. Everybody has been happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so to say these machines are any different is just baloney. Like you're just, you can't make statements like that. You can't make definite statements on these computers. They're not connected to the internet. You can't make that definite statement because you have no clue. No, it's impossible. You have no clue. These computers are made by man, run by man. They can be manipulated at any point, period. Yep. That's and just so, what it is. But that's what people say. Well, you got to trust that paper ballots won't be manipulated. I'm like, you know what? At least we have someone to hold accountable if it does happen. Right. Right now, we have nobody to hold accountable. You can blame, you can blame the machine. You know? On Friday, on Friday, look this up. New Jersey, a race changed. Um, the winner changed because they accidentally found out that the machine was double counting for one candidate. Oh. I mean, this is this is a couple days ago. Wow. The company, ES and Senate or governor or what? No, no, it was local. It was like city council. Okay. But they go, oops, <laughs> you know? And so if it were the election commissioner or the um, county clerk or something, they would be resigning from their job. There's somebody right. to hold responsible. Right now it's ES and S and it's just, oops. I read a, I read a story. I, I, Pretty sure it was accurate, but <laughs> I, I want to make sure it could be fake news. Um, but like I've read it multiple places that there was a county in New Mexico that did a hand count. And it was 25% off of the computer count. There was a race in Iowa. Yeah, it was Iowa recently, like a couple months ago, changed once they did the hand count. The, the machine count had somebody else went in by like 80 or 90 votes. The hand count flipped it back 140 plus the other person. Wow. So the, mach the machine should never have a discrepancy. They should be a hundred percent. They're reading barcode for Christ's sake. I mean, there right, should be right. no discrepancy and, but they do, they, they have these. And so all it gets marked up to is oops. <laughs> and there's nobody to hold responsible. Well, yeah, because they're not going to hold themselves themselves. No. Like well, that'll Let, never let's talk about that. Let's talk about these machines. They get certified <laughs> by a group called the EAC election uh, uh, something commission. I forget what it's called, but it's the EAC. They are the ones that approve the machines. Guess who the board of the EAC is? People from government. No, worse. People from the machine companies set the standards oh, on the machines. Geez. So the board members are from ESNS, Dominion, Heart Civic, and these guys create the board to put the standards on the machines that they have to follow. So they are policing themselves on the standards. And then there are two companies that can um, test the machines to get certification. 
These two companies are private equity groups. We do not know who owns them. We don't know who owns the machines. We don't know who owns the company that certifies the machines. So what's possible? The owner of the machines could be certifying yep. themselves. Yeah. Because they own both companies. Who knows? I mean, that, what's to say, like, you know, whatever Republican or whatever Democrat, yeah. you know, sliding an envelope saying, hey, you make this go this way for X amount of dollars. And let's it's not possible. pretend that doesn't happen because it possible. definitely does. So in Arkansas, we're very big um, here on agricultural. So to have certain people in federal government who get to direct agricultural money to Arkansas is a big deal. It's worth billions of dollars. So if I'm, I'm just going to make up a company, I'm grain company A, and I say, you know what? I have 50 million I can put on to make sure this guy is elected. Maybe there's somebody that takes that, a programmer in India who says, I found the back door and do, 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 do. he makes sure it happens. And all in, because that system is built up for the possibility. There are so many possibilities. So we, we can't say it doesn't happen. There's no way. And they're like, oh, we do audits. We, we, we do tests beforehand. We're like, do you remember Dieselgate with Volkswagen? I don't know if you remember. They, every time the Volkswagen was getting tested, the computer knew it was being tested. So it changed the emission results to pass certification. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, let's just say it was supposed to get 28 miles a gallon. In reality, it was getting 21 and it was letting out all kinds of CO2. But as soon as it knew it was testing, it was getting 28. No CO2 was coming out because it knew it was being tested. Volkswagen wow. did it for years. Wow. And that's, they got uh, that's pretty slick on their end, but shit, you know. So you're telling me that can't happen to an election computer? It knows when it's being tested. So it's not going to mess up. It has a clock inside of it. It's like, yeah, it's not election day. I'm not going to run an algor algorithm. But hey, it's election day. Let's kick on an algorithm between 11 and 3 p.m. 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Everyone who runs that, there's an algorithm making sure votes, you know? So, I mean, it's possible. With paper ballots, what's possible is some people stuff a couple, remove a couple, but that's left at the precinct levels. It's going to take a giant um, conspiracy of getting everybody across the state to do the same thing to get in the well, Yeah, you'd have to get more people on board with it to where the machine will just do it all for you. You yeah. know, it's kind of it's kind of like think about like you know the World Series where the Astros cheated, right? Yep. Now that doesn't work unless the whole team is involved on that. They have to be. They have to if be. Gotta, Justin Verlander wasn't ignoring the bangs on the on the yeah. Trash game. You know, it's is as much as it sucks and you know it sounds bad or whatever. Like, yep. They all had to be on it together to make it work. The same thing kind of goes for you know if they were hand counting votes. To manipulate that, everybody or a majority you have to have to be you have on to have board. The Republican, the Democrat, the Independent, all in on it, which they're not sitting, going to be. Who are sitting there watching the box? Then that's at one precinct. You have to have that at all these precincts. Yeah, and but most people who go to work elections and count votes, they want the same thing we want—an accurate, fair election. Yes, and so you're not going to get that with somebody in, like I say, India, Pakistan, Iran, whatever. If they know how to get in the, the back door of that computer, it's just game over from before it ever started. And so that's the thing that the computers put in. I love technology. I'm an early adopter to all kinds of things. And I actually wasn't even thinking about um, the computers being an issue. 
until we started looking into all these cybersecurity people and they're like, you can't have the computers in elections. Western Europe uses no computers in elections. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. They hand count, they hand count every hand mark, hand count every election because they know the United States is probably messing with it. Why? <laughs> so, so Germany kicked them out, said they were unconstitutional. Scotland kicked them out. England is like, nope, we're never going to it. Like, Good for them. There's a reason. And so you usually, most Americans are like, let's be like Europe. Let's be like Europe. But for some reason, they don't want to be like Europe on this. So right, it's just, it's just silly. Like, And a lot of these machines were developed for people like Chavez and those guys down in, in Venezuela who wanted to keep themselves in power. They just control the, the computer. And it, it was Stalin. Stalin said, it doesn't matter who votes. It matters who counts the votes. Yep. And so right now, it's a third-party company counting votes, but we don't know who we don't even know who they are, and yes. they're regulating them. They're regulating themselves. Yeah, see, I'm not with that. And now, let's move on to a couple more things. I don't want to take too much of your time. We've been at this oh, for yeah. a minute, but uh, an hour dude, and a half now, man. I know. So, dude, you have recently been to a I don't want to call it a rally, but a Trump event. That was invite only, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. February 15th. Yeah, oh, I thought you already went to this. No, no, it's February 15th. So okay. I'm going in February to West Palm Beach to Mar-a-Lago, and we'll be at a we'll be with President Trump. And um, he's been excited about what we're doing in Arkansas because in Arkansas, we actually got one county to by law um, say we're going to handmark hand county paper ballots. We're the first people to ever ditch the, all of the machines and just say, you know what? We're done with it, too. We see the problem. And now right. we got other counties. So in Arkansas, the law, each county gets to decide what method they use. We have about five more ready to go in the next month and a half. And we got all this. So Trump was pretty excited. He actually was on Truth Social and shared that Arkansas, this Arkansas county did that. Okay. And so so there's going to be a little bit of a roundtable um, there. And then um, the group that in that invited us they're actually going to honor him for a supreme court picks that's okay. actually so we're going to be talking election integrity and the supreme court stuff like that so gotcha. but yeah i'll be down there with president trump next in a couple of weeks you'll have so, to uh keep me informed on how that goes i'm really intrigued to see you know yeah, I'm, I'm no trumper by all means but like you know yeah. to know somebody that would experience something like that because let's be honest the guy knows how to throw a party and he knows how to like you know, put a gala together per se. Yeah. I mean, what, sure it's going to be a lot of fun. What's funny there. about Trump, man, is nobody hated him until he chose a, a party. As soon as he said he was Republican, people hated him. Well, I mean, like, because he was a New York Democrat forever and ever and ever. And, I, and he used know. to party with Diddy and all these people. I mean, he was always with Snoop. And I mean, he was with all these people. Do you remember the story about Jennifer Hudson, her family getting murdered? No, I do not. Do you know who Jennifer Hudson is? The yeah, singer? yeah, yeah. Yeah, her family was murdered by her like cousin-in-law or something. Killed her Yikes. mom, her dad, her sister, all this stuff. Trump flew his plane to her, took her back to New York and gave her a suite, you know, gave, not like we're charging you, for as long as she needed at the top of Trump Tower. Gave her the whole thing. It's wow. like, you stay here as long as you want it. But then as soon as he was Republican and said, hey, we want immigration laws, well, you're a racist. 
<laughs> I mean, the media did go after him. I'm not going to, you know, say, you know, whatever. But about he, he doesn't help himself. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll he really that. doesn't help himself. He but, help himself. but uh, you know, to move on to something that's not so serious and to close it out, you know, we're both football nerds. So uh, yeah. what do you like to go to the Super Bowl this year, man? So in August, I think it was August 19th, I texted my friend Tyler. My friend Tyler is a huge Eagles fan. And I told him I had a dream the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl. That was in August. No, it was even before preseason, I think, when I texted him. Yeah, so it was beginning of August. I said, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. So I can't back away from that. So I'm going to say okay. the Eagles. The Eagles are still going. I want to see Cincinnati go back. And I think that's going to happen because Mahomes is not going to be Mahomes in this next game. No, he's hurt. He got hurt on Sunday. He's hurt. And that ankle injury is okay to come back for during that game. I bet he's on crutches all week this week. Because I mean, he shouldn't be, you know, you know, he shouldn't be putting any weight on that or whatever with not all. No, he's so he's not, he doesn't have any not even practice or anything really. None. And when he gets the Sunday, that adrenaline is not going to hold that ankle up like it did the day it got hurt because your body tightens up then. Now it's lost. Like I'll, I'll equate it to I was in Milford playing basketball down at the park. It would, ben Fleming was on the team against me. I don't know if you know Ben. I know but Ben. I went up for a rebound and I came down on the side of his foot. My ankle flipped out. It it dislocated. Okay. <laughs> Everybody kind of stopped. They're like, uh-oh. I hop over, my foot's dangling. I go over to the to the bench and I pop it back in. Uh. And then they're like, hey, do we need to get someone for you? I'm like, no, I can get this. I can play. I went and finished the game. Our team won. So we kept the court. I was like, I'm going to sit down for a second. I sat down for about two minutes. It was like, boop, my ankle was huge. Ah. And, <laughs> and I was done for about two or three weeks. Like, so that adrenaline or right away, you can go play. But it's the next days and stuff when it sucks. And I think Mahomes is going to be feeling that. He's not going to be the same. Now, he's an all right pocket quarterback. But he makes his living on the scrambles, the side. Well, yeah, he's he, he's a mover so, and shaker out there, you know. And, and so it's going to be a different dynamic. But Kelsey is just a beast. But I I see Cincinnati being able to pull it out, probably close, probably 27-24, something like that. I do so. too. I think Cincinnati goes. I actually think Joe Burr gets a ring this year. I just do. I think Joe Burr. This yeah. is his time. Um, but, but the story of Purdy is just. So that's amazing. I think San Francisco is going to win. That's who yeah. I'm picking to win that game, just because he's another Brady story. The last pick in the draft. Last pick. The two quarterbacks get hurt in order for him to play. You know how does he that balls out. ever happens? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He balls out, dude. Now he's going to the you know NFC Championship game. I he's going to have a hard time keeping up with scoring with Philly. I think. Yeah, they only scored 19 last week against the. So, yeah, so defense, shitty so. Dallas team, you know. Yeah. So he'll need to score more against Philly. Oh, but, absolutely. But Hurst didn't ball out in his last game. He only had 118 yards, two touchdowns. Because well, he's coming off injury too. Yeah. So now, like I said, I stick to a Philly because I had the dream back in August. And I texted my friend Tyler, who's a Philly fan, and I said, Phillies are going. He went and put 500 bucks on Philly that day. Holy so, shit. If Philly wins the Super Bowl, he's got 15,000 coming to him. <laughs> oh, he better <laughs> because, split that shit with you. <laughs> because of my dream. And so, but yeah, so he put it down. So I'm going to go with that emotionally. But man, seeing Purdy, if he could win a Super Bowl and just ball out as Mr. Irrelevant would just be the, 
just the best story that football's had in a while, you know. That and like what does San Francisco do? Hypothetically, I know San Francisco goes to the Super Bowl, they win the Super Bowl with this rookie who they drafted last. Yeah. They got two, they got one guy they paid a bunch of money to. Oh, yeah. Trade it up to get him at the number one pick and all that. And then you know, and then trade up to get the other guy. You know, because they gave a bunch of money to Garoppolo, and then they yep. drafted this quarterback because Garoppolo wasn't all that. Yeah, then Trey Lance is sitting there. He's supposed to be the next up. He gets hurt. Garoppolo gets hurt. So now what do you do with Garoppolo and Lance? And, or does it say, hey, this is an offense anybody can run, so those two are worthless. Right? <laughs> I mean, who? Well, let's, let's be real, man. Trent fucking Dilfer, Trent Dilfer, of all people, has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, but that's because that defense was like no other, man. Well, but that's but all he had to do was run a ball control offense. That's yes, what he it did. Is. They won a Super Bowl like that. But see, Purdy's not doing that. It's not ball control. Purdy's getting 250, 300 yards a game. Well, yeah, he's throwing that ball down the field, and they got a good running yeah. game, too. I mean, and their defense. Their defense has been great. Oh, yeah. And so you got oh. Bosa and all that. So. But I, I'm still going to go with Philly just because of my dream. Okay. <laughs> so if I'm, if I'm a prophet or not, we're going to see. Now, I didn't say they were going to win the Super Bowl to my friend, so he bet the money on them winning. We should have just bet them on it going because that was my dream. They went to the Super Bowl. Right. But right. but I see Cincinnati, Philly, and then, man, I don't even know in that. I, like, I just see Burrow getting that ring, man. Like, yeah. He's I been amazing. He's been really good, and they had a rough start to the year, too. Yeah. Cincinnati, I'm, they sucked ne- in the beginning. Next year, I'd love to see Jacksonville and Detroit. That would be – just the funniest thing, like to go Trevor Lawrence with what they had last year, and then they did that late season run this year. The Lions yeah. doing the late season run. So next year, I think those are going to be some tough teams to play because we they we both all have good draft picks coming up because we got number five pick. We have five picks in the top forty five, I think, or fifty five or six. Something picks. like that. Yeah, we have two in the first round, I believe. Yeah. yeah, we get we get LA. LA sucks. Who would have saw that coming? So we get their number five pick. Ours is like number 17. Then we got a couple second rounders and yep, a couple. Yep. Third, I mean, we're just going to be able to get a couple, a little more depth. And so. Not and then, that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but the Lions will win the division next year. It's going to happen. It, lo- it looks like it. Like Minnesota yeah, chokes and Green Bay's looks like their time is up. So unless they reload, they can reload. But they have no cap. That's the other thing about Green Bay. Right, exactly. So, so the Lions, Lions have like the second most cap room, and we just had a winning season, and we get all these draft picks early rounds. So they're going to be fun to rookies, watch next year. Our rookies balled out this year, like yep. Malcolm Rodriguez, sixth round pick, just just nuts. And then Aiden Hutchinson, and then James Houston. I mean, it's just I think we're going to be a team that people don't want to play next year. But we have one of the hardest schedules. I don't know if you've seen it. That's but. okay though. I think. Here's here's the thing, dude. By the end of this year, this year we had one of the hardest schedules too. By yes. the way, because we played all the teams that were in the in the playoffs, we played them and beat them, most of them or some of them, except yeah. Buffalo. You know the defense fucked us out of that game. We should have we we should have won Buffalo. We should have beat Minnesota both times. We should have beat we should have beat Philly. Yeah, and so I mean, in all those of, games, the defense we, shit the bed. Yeah, we did beat Jacksonville, and so we smoked Jacksonville. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we smoke we put up 41 against jacksonville yeah i mean like it'll be cool to watch next season i always get depressed this time of year because there's a little window where because i'm not a basketball or a yeah. hockey guy there's that pocket between the super bowl and when baseball starts 
where yeah. it's so boring. There's, I don't, you know, there's no sports to watch. There's no, you know, it's, it's a bummer. Yeah. It's like, what do you do with your time? So <laughs> luckily I've been more, so busy. I don't have to care. I'll just make more podcasts. You know, what do yeah. you I'll, I'll just go hang out with president Trump. I know I, you definitely, we're going to talk, you know, we're going to, you talk. know what, you know, what's funny is Mike Lindell from my pillow. I talk with him now, like every week. It's just such a surreal world that I live in. Like, why am I talking to this guy? Like, but he actually cares about the cause. He's another one that he gets a bad rap because uh, you know, the stuff he said about 2020 being stolen, but he actually cares about the cause. And so his cause is get rid of the machines, get the paper ballots. Doesn't care what party you are. If you win, it shouldn't be questioned. And so that's where we get back on all that. And so, so for me, I, I live a dope life. I do dope stuff. You know, I dig it. I dig what you're doing. You know, Will, thank you so much for uh, doing this. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about it forever. All right. But we, uh, we, we got an hour, 40 minutes in. So I know, man. So right. that being said, let's, let's finish up. Thank you, and uh, much love. Y'all be good. Appreciate you. Check out ArkansasVII.org, and you'll see what we're doing with the machines. Got it, man. Thank you so much. All right. Later. See ya.